The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3. Thanks to all of you that are subscribed and jumping in the chat. Thanks for hanging out. If you're watching us later, you can can still smash that like button, just like all the viewers that are watching live. Also, a hello to anybody who is checking us out across Facebook through 24-7 Sports. Listeners on the audio, uh, you are always loved. You are our day ones from the start. Very fun activity to get to today because we're not going to be ranking the non-conference games on the 2022 schedule as they exist. No, no, no. That's that's really more of a late off-season, actually gets you focused on the season ahead kind of activity. No, we, we want to throw all the non-conference games out. We want to rewrite some of our dream non-conference matchups. So we'll be doing that uh, draft style, cover three draft style here in just a little bit. But as we sit here on this Monday, uh, we do have a Final Four. It, it takes college basketball so many daggum games to reach an appropriate size to determine a national championship. You know, you have to go through all this, you know, upsets and Cinderella's. And we do have uh, a final four with zero Cinderella's in it. We have teams that combined to have won seven of the last 13 national championships. We have teams whose combined histories extend well beyond uh, the decades, multiple coaches who have won national championships uh, actually, not for Duke. All of them are with Coach K, who, of course, as we know, um, reportedly will be stepping down at the end of the season. Tom, really? Yeah, I, 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 I haven't heard of that. I, I'm waiting on Shefty to tweet it before I can really feel like I can run with it. Um, it's so, crazy how that's happening in the same year that Duke and North Carolina are meeting for like the thousandth time in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's it's funny the. The, the score, they are dead even. You know, everyone always brings up the, like, Duke and North Carolina. Oh, they've their number of wins, it's dead even. Their number of points is dead even. Well, same in the NCAA tournament. Dead even. <laughs> zero, zero, all the way across the board. Uh, but, Tom, we were talking about it in Texas. Like, what do you think are um, some of 
the lessons that we can learn as we are looking forward to the future of the college football playoff on college football playoff expansion. Is there anything to be taken away from what we've seen in the NCAA tournament this year? Uh, not just this year, but in general. Because I think this year it's way too easy to look at the college football playoff and say, hey, college football had a Cinderella. College basketball doesn't. College basketball has the big tournament. College football only has four teams. They did a better job of getting them there. You could just look at the one year and say that, but I feel like that's way too small of a sample size. So what I did was I did a little more research going back further to make the sample size larger to find out whether there truly is parity in college basketball because they have a large tournament. And for those of you who think that an expanded field is going to lead to parity, well, you're Chris Rock, I'm Will Smith, and I'm about to walk up on stage and slap you across the damn face and put some sense into you. I went back first to 1998, which is when the BCS was created, because before that, we really didn't have any kind of playoff whatsoever. And I guess you could consider the BCS a playoff in that we finally got some common sense and put number one versus number two instead of having them play separate games and then kind of just voting on it afterwards. But since 1998 and the creation of the BCS, 12 different schools have won a national title in college football. In that same time span, no matter what happens in the Final Four, because the four teams in the Final Four this year have all won national titles in that time span, 13 different college basketball programs will have won a national title. So 12 football, 13 basketball. That's a whole lot. Look at all the more parity that you have in college basketball with the big field. But then you know what? I said, you know, going back to 98, it's a pretty good sample size, but we could use some more. So let's go back to 1985 which is when Expansion. college basketball expanded to 64 teams in its tournament. And that's 37 years ago, but there's only been 36 tournaments in that time because 2020s was canceled. In those 36 years, 19 different college basketball programs have won a national title. Would you guys like to guess how many college football programs have won a national title in the last 36 years? Chip, how many do you think have won? We were at uh, 13 for 1998. Yeah. And so we're going to go back... Um, to 1986. I'm going to say there were only three or four, 17. I'm going to say four 17. additional schools. Yeah. Danny, what do you, what's your guess? Well, Miami won a lot of those like in those years. So I'm trying to think. Um, USC probably, uh, I'll, I'll say 16. Okay. Bud? Wait, the timeline is 19. Since 1986, <laughs> the last 36 years. So basically, I mean, 86, how many additional 86 to 98? How right. many different teams have won a how national title? How many different title? programs have won a national title in college? Nebraska football? was back to well, 19. Okay. 18. Mm-hmm. Damn. So in that same time span, 18 college football programs have won as 19 different college basketball programs. So even, even though college football, for a large portion of those 36 years, didn't have a playoff of any type, didn't even have a one versus two scenario, had just as many national different schools winning national titles as basketball. So next time you come to me saying, well, expanding the field will bring more parity and give more teams a chance to win a national title. I am going to slap you across the face because you're an idiot and you haven't done any of the actual research. You're just saying it because you want it to be true. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. Um, those people are idiots. They deserve to be slapped. Thank you. Let's but, slap them, Danny. No, 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 but, no, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 
It was a lot of fun watching a lot more teams feel like they have a chance yeah. to win a national championship. That's the part that's fun about it. Because I think we've had this exact discussion before, and we've all said, is it really going to change who's going to win the national championship? Probably not. Maybe you get a team, not a – and the thing that's funny is the St. Peter's doesn't even exist. There are 358 Division three schools in basketball and 130 in football. So, like, you're just not – you're going to eliminate, you know, a lot of schools that aren't going to be that uh, category. But I do think, like, a Cinderella team to me in football – would have been like, well, yeah, we had that in Cincinnati last year who probably would have been eliminated. But a Cinderella to me would be a team like a three-win USC team mm-hmm. with Sam uh, Darnold at quarterback who might get into a 12-team playoff. And like that's and that's the other, like you could take the other angle and say, like this is what I was thinking about before the show. In college football, we wouldn't have the chance to see UNC or Duke because they wouldn't have been invited to the party. And yet both – and we – and, like, this is a conference thing, too. We thought the ACC was awful all season long, right? They're horrible. But we kind of forget that teams get better and teams figure things out, especially in the era of transfers when you're seeing this much roster turnover. I think that needs to be accounted for and maybe something that should actually enhance the argument for expansion because there are going to be teams that lose early in the season that could still be capable, maybe not of knocking off Alabama or Georgia, but of making a really deep run and the postseason, and when I say deep run, you know, may, maybe winning a game or two in a playoff scenario. It'd but be the, here, semis. the Cinderella run would be to be the lower seeded team in the first round, win that, get into the quarterfinals, then knock off one of the top four seeds, then get into the semifinals. And then, much like many Cinderella's, that would be like the Elite Eight moment where in the semifinals you end up getting smoked by 20. But how often is that quote-unquote Cinderella going to be like North Carolina in this year's tournament where, yeah, they're the eighth seed, but they're North Carolina. Like like, Danny mentioned, like, okay, there's going to be a town here where USC has three losses and then makes a run, and oh, look at Cinderella, USC. That is, I think Well, it goes to your point about parity. Like, we can say parity all we want. I mean, I've always used not the how many championships have been won, like there's really if you go back and look at any top 25 ranking, you know, pick a decade and just go down through it. It's usually the same to- top 25 teams, like almost always. And then, you know, there'll be a cycle where, again, Alabama's up, Miami's down, Florida State's down, you know, Florida's up, Georgia's down. Georgia, like, But it's always the same 25-ish programs that have the resources, that have the want to, that have the capability of putting all that together. Not more, not more champions, more belief, more people interested in the season for longer. Tom's exactly right. It will not create more champions. It's going to create fewer champions. However, people love to lie to themselves. We say this probably every single week. Look at all the crazy stuff they lie to themselves about on social media that has real-world consequences. You don't think, of, like, like literally, fan is short for fanatic. You don't think that people are willing to delude themselves into thinking they have a shot at a title in an expanded format? Here's a question. How many mailbag questions do we get that are some derivative of, hey, this team is not even really top 25 normally, but how do they level up to maybe get a shot at the national title? And we're like, eh, not going to happen. But we can kind of we can pitch them on it a little bit with the expanded playoff. They'll care more about those late November games potentially uh, because we know ESPN is not going to stop beating the drum on the playoff. So it's not going to go back to, hey, just love your regional rivalries. That, so- that, that trains down the tracks. So we're giving them the hope of playing in the Sugar Bowl, which they already have. And they'll, no, but they have the hope 
of can we go on a magical run if we could but just if put the pieces if you're together, Iowa if we can State, get on track. If you're Iowa State getting to a Sugar Bowl or an Orange Bowl or a Rose Bowl, any of the bowl that's not in the playoff that year, that's still the same thing because you're going to go and you hope you win the game, but you're not going to win the entire national title. We're not all we're doing. They don't is know repack- that, Tom. That's the point. I know, but that's, here's my other point. Listen to us. All we're doing is repackaging what we already have and calling it something different. That's all we're doing. We're rebranding yes. the same thing that we <laughs> already have. Yes. But what we're doing is we're going to here. Let's look at college basketball. Compare college basketball television ratings in the regular season to college basketball television ratings in the March. That's what we're going to do to college football. We're going to shoot ourselves in the face so we get a bigger payout at the end, and we are going to destroy the ratings for the regular season because the games aren't going to matter nearly as much. I don't think the comparison is is apt there. It's it's not really one for one to me. It's not one for one. People will still watch more college football games in the regular season than they do college basketball. But if you think that the ratings for regular season games are going to drop, look at attendance. I don't think they it's will drop because I think more people are going to care about games later, like that don't really matter nationally. Like, so I don't like college basketball. I don't care about college basketball. I didn't do a bracket. I've watched two college basketball games. One, St. Peter's and, and uh, um, was it Purdue, right? Like, this is a cool story. And then I watched St. Peter's, North Carolina for about 20 minutes. And then North Carolina was just stomping these dudes. Shout out right. North Carolina alternate lines. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Taxi's like, let's go. Plus 220 on the alt line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I shout out whoever's on the broadcast for us. They're like, nobody's really closed out St. Peter's like this. I'm like, North Carolina has some athletes, so I'm gonna go ahead and live bet this. Uh, allegedly, if I was in a legal state. Anyway, um, but like, I think if, if it will bring in more of the casuals, which we need, the diehards will watch in any scenario. We need more people to have greater casual interest in the sport for longer in the season. I think some games will probably have less meaning. I think other games will have a lot more meaning. I think. The games that have less meaning, which I think is Tom is correct, there will be some. I think those will be outpaced by the games that have more meaning. But that's where I think the proposal with the 12 teams, with the buy in the first round, potential home field, like those will make the regular season more meaningful and less likely scenarios of you know resting starters and stuff like that, or even having a quote meaningless regular season game. I think it'll make November games more meaningful. I yes. don't. I think it'll hurt September, October, and early August. Oh, I think it's possible. But Tom, I do you think that? I think it's very likely. I don't think it's possible. I think it's likely. Well, here's how. Here's why it might not not be likely. Um, and I don't disagree with you that the meaning of those games, as far as like the impact, will go down some because of your chance to still get in. But one, as Danny said, seating. To, which I think will have some impact. Like teams will still care about it, obviously. Fans, which is what we're talking about here, maybe slightly less. But there's still that new car smell that we wait all offseason for that exists in those first, you know, five, six weeks of the season. Uh, that I think will still likely carry those early season games to, to strong ratings. I think what would help those early season games, as far as like you mentioned, seeding, if the playoff games were played on campuses. But as long as they're played at neutral sites, you're going to see teams that do it like the NBA. Like, yeah, who cares if we get the seven seed? We'll just rest our guys until then, be fully healthy when the playoff starts, and then we'll, we've still got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and we'll be fine. Hell, Ben Simmons doesn't have to play all season. We'll be just fine. If you look at it now, if they play all these games on neutral sites, what the hell really does it matter if you're the seven seed or the four seed? You're not playing at home. 
But from the coaching perspective, you only get but so many games. I don't know if you would really want to sacrifice the reps and the opportunities to be able to. Oh, no, not from a coaching perspective, from a fan's perspective. Oh, that you just there's not nearly as much jeopardy if the games if there aren't any home games in the playoff that you could play for. There's not nearly as much jeopardy. You can afford if you're Alabama, you can lose three times and you're still going to get in the playoff. Not saying Saban's going to be like, eh, take the week off. Yeah, but if you're an Alabama fan, there's already apathy in the Alabama fan base as it is. Saban's yelling at fans every single season for not coming to the games. For leaving early. Yeah. They, they, they come. It's it's really it's being yeah. out of the building. That's by, only uh, going to get worse. Order that, uh, that they're starting to get a, a little bit. That's To me, that's tough to quantify. Whether the If a fan checks out, does that mean that they're not going to watch their favorite team or watch their conference rival in September and October in a way that they would right now? For some, for sure. There are going to be diehards who watch all the time. But for the casuals, you are not going to get the casual interest until November. So you're going to improve ratings for then, and the rest of it's going to suffer. Mm, interesting. Uh, one other piece of this. A lot of the St. Peter's run was made about resources. It was made about like the only 3,000 uh, students, undergraduate and graduate, at the school. You know, they their athletic department, uh, the SID office, the guy who does men's basketball also has to do four other sports. Like it, it is a very, very small, maybe I think only two or three assistant coaches on salary. Maybe the other ones are internships for the staff. It, it, this is a massive resources difference to what St. Peter's had against Kentucky, against Purdue, against North Carolina, even against Murray State in the second round. I don't think, and correct me if you've got a good example, I think that just the FBS split in general means that we are unlikely to see uh, a school with the small amount of resources making it to the college football playoff as that Cinderella story because underfunded programs don't win games and underfunded programs don't win enough games to be able to make the college football playoff. Tom, what what number did you say St. Peter's was? Like 358th? Uh, no, there are 358 programs. They were not 358th, but they were like 150th, I think, in Ken Palm at the start of the tournament. How many guys are on a basketball roster scholarship-wise? Nine? 12 to 15. 12 12 to 15. Let's just use 13. That's kind of a decent ad. All right. So that's 2,000 scholarship players. You just kind of went down the pool. Like, what, what, what school is 85th? Or, you know, what, what, what school is 2,000 scholarship players down? Like, where are we getting in the player pool in college football to get to a point where we're at St. Peter's, it's 24th. So if you think of it in like those terms, you know, once your 2,000 scholarship players in, 150th in basketball is like 24th in football. Mm-hmm. Because Cinderella. there's so many players per roster. Cinderella. 24th is a Cinderella in college football, though. I, I know, but that's my – it's – like the other thing, too, is just football and basketball are such – different sports football does not lend itself to a cinderella because you get to the tournament let's look at saint peter's kentucky shot horribly saint peter's shot well in basketball if you could have your best player if he has a bad night it is going to very much affect the entire team if you happen to run into a team on a good night while that happens you are very much going to lose the tournament is a random number generator so so saint peter's gets that with kentucky pulls off the miraculous upset then they get murray state in the second round, Murray State has a terrible game. And St. Peter's deserves some of the credit, so I'm not taking it away from them, but they have another hot shooting night. They win. They get to Purdue, who has the worst game plan I have ever seen for a team that's going up against a bunch of 6'5 guys when you've got two 7-footers 
And then your lottery pick has a horrible night. Purdue loses. You get to the Elite Eight. You face a team that doesn't play bad. You get destroyed. That doesn't happen in football. Like, if a football player, if one guy on the team is having a bad day, it's not going to have that large of an impact unless he's the quarterback and he's having an outrageously horrible day. I think the Cinderella stories in the new college football playoff will be power conference teams in hard-to-get-to college towns that do not traditionally compete for conference championships. When Oregon State is a Pac-12 champion, we'll be talking about it like a Cinderella story. When when Illinois wins the Big Ten again, we are going to be talking about it like a juggernaut that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be these these kind of teams are going to end up being our Cinderella story uh, in the college football playoff. Though I do think that the casuals will jump on board if when we get like an Appalachian State, when we get uh, a Boise State, when we get teams not from the Power Conference. They will, and they will gladly take all the support from these people, the flyby fans that are going to jump on board just because they want to root for somebody not from a power conference. But I mean, we've we've been around those programs. Those are not underfunded underdog mentality. They've climbed to the top of their own respective conferences because they have a serious investment in being good in college football. Well, here's the hypothetical: like Cincinnati made the playoff this year. How many years of that? of the quote-unquote Cinderella being reaching the playoff and then getting smacked before everybody that was crying that Cinderella never got a chance to start saying, I'm sick of seeing Cinderella. What's your over-under on that? Nah, I don't how, think that that's... How many happen. years have we had have We had the semifinals where, where, where the teams get smacked? Mo- more Already. semifinals than not. Yeah, and they've been out. complaining about it because they're demanding more teams <laughs> <laughs> the entire time. Let's go back. You want to get rid of the teams getting smacked? Make it smaller. That's been my argument all along. Just go to the two teams. We could have skipped a lot of time and frustration by going straight to Alabama and Georgia. Completely agree. The However, elite, since they're not going to do that. No, I know. But, I mean, the Elite Eight sucked, right? I mean, those yes. were all kind of smacked down. Because you know but why? That diminish, Too many but, Cinderella's made it. No, That's but, why it sucked. Well, I was definitely not rooting for St. Peter's. Like, I did not want to see them advance further because <laughs> you don't want the Final Four ruined. But, see, this has been my point all along. That if you get, you'll get a better Final Four if you eliminate some of the Cinderellas earlier. Give them the chance, and it's fun, and it's intriguing, and you want to watch. But once you get to the Final Four, you'll get a better Final Four than we'd be. Like, I don't know if Cincinnati would have made it last year, right? Yeah. Like, to the Final Four, if there was a 12-team playoff. So we would have had the fun of that conversation. Maybe they win one round, but I don't think they would have made the Final Four. Yeah, my philosophy with the college basketball tournament has always been I love upsets on the first weekend, but by the time you get to the Sweet 16, kind of just like to push all that to the side. Yeah. Well, we get to fill out some some interesting non-conference games. The non-conference draft, looking at the matchups that we want to see. We'll get into that, breaking it down next The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Last week, we uh, we gamed out the entire NCAA tournament bracket from the football perspective. Uh, it's great to see T-Stars checking in in the chat just to uh, confirm what we thought which is that Vermont does not have football. So Vermont Catamount, uh, <laughs> perennial America East conference contenders, and occasionally a dangerous threat under John Becker to be able to, to throw a first round upset out there. It fell short, but um, good, good to know that we were correct in our, our guess that Vermont was not going to be advancing in our cover three college football adventure. Okay. Non-conference draft. Danny. You are up first. You are on the clock. What is the non-conference game that you absolutely want to, gotta, have to see? So I was curious about this. Like, is there a slam dunk, like, number one, like a Trevor Lawrence, you know, that just everybody's dying for? Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Don't let in screw this up. Because I feel like, for me, there was one coach that left for another program. (laughs) And now the program that he left feels like they got an upgrade and a coach has been a long time assistant. I'll go with Oklahoma USC. Um, When you see, (laughs) when when you see the picture of Lincoln Riley's, you know, monstrous, like just Pacific coast view, multi-million dollar mansion and Oklahoma fans are like, well, they have earthquakes out there. (laughs) Like he's going to be miserable living in that house and it's better to live in Norman. Then, you know, that's like the definition of, of how insane uh, both of these fan bases are, but primarily from the Oklahoma standpoint, would love to see it. I'm a little bit surprised too. And I'm not talking about Colin Cowherd because he's a little bit, uh, of a nut anyway, but like the, the, the amount of reports I'm seeing coming about about USC and the turnaround and it's the, you know, the morale change and just how upbeat everybody is and optimistic everybody is. It's like, they're starting to believe some of the press clippings about the program. It's pretty remarkable, but that to me was the number one draft pick for sure. Was Colin not being a little tongue in cheek with that practice tweet though? I thought so. I thought I, he was. I, I could see him smirking as he hits. Uh, yes, yes, definitely. But there's yeah. also like he and he's done that since he moved to LA. He's definitely gone all LA, all mm-hmm. everything, all the time. So there's definitely some of that. But there's also a part of me that knows he knows exactly what he was doing with that tweet. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in his best interest to have that be like USC be good. I think it would just be good. But yeah, I, but I then like- also, did you see Bruce Feldman? Like he was at practice, and he was, and he was probably the one texting Colin, like getting him all fired up, like, "Hey, they look great." He was like, "Hey, feels upbeat." Like he was, he was texting or tweeting some of that as well. 
It's the most unique roster in the history of USC football. It is an, it is a free agent team. Mm-hmm. It is uh, 13 transfers right now, and because of the flexibility of the roster, Lincoln Riley's own words, they're going to go get more. And he said, I feel confident with what we're selling and what we're building here that we're going to be an attractive location. I mean, he, he is just going um, – he's positioning this first season of his tenure at USC. But, yes, we are a pro team. We're, we're going to do what the Rams just did. We're going all in. This is title town, baby. And we're just – if do you want to come jump on board? Let's go. Now, Ken, is that sustainable? Over the course of an entire season, what happens when a group of strangers meets adversity? I mean, the 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 football guys will tell you that sometimes you need years of you know being in the trenches together to be able to build up uh, the chemistry to be able to overcome that adversity in the moments when things get hard and aren't going well. But I am not surprised that they think it's upbeat because it is it is a team of free agents. It is a team that a roster that is unique, and I think Lincoln Riley's leaning into it. It's. So the, I, Oh, go. No, I I just think any new coach would would honestly produce <clears throat> good feelings from USC, right? Because they were such a, a train wreck last year. Everybody assumed that uh, their coach was going to be a you know lame duck, and and he he basically was fired before midseason. So before midseason, I, it was September fourteenth. Sure, that's before midseason. I mean, that, that was very early in the season. Uh, I just I believe that that the culture is changing. And I think Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing. But don't you think we would have got similar headlines from almost any hire they could have made once they finally got Clay Helton out? No. Mm, I think it's Caleb Williams. Nobody else is bringing Caleb Williams, yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. Yeah. I still want to see what they do on defense, and I don't really like the idea of flexibility on the roster. Flexibility on the roster to bring a lot of guys in means we got some major holes, y'all. Yeah. Uh, So – I, th- I think that I think that's what he's saying. He's trying to. He is going to the portal, and he is saying like, "We've got playing time right now. You want to come get it? You want to jump on board, play for a Pac-12 title? Let's go." A couple historical notes here: only eight meetings all time between USC and Oklahoma. It is six-two USC, and they have not played since the Trojans put it on them in that BCS national championship game at the end of the 2004 season. So, it would be the first time uh, since they played for the Natty. Uh, anything anything else we want to get in on Oklahoma USC and the Lincoln Riley just the, the number one overall pick surefire never been a doubt about this and the non-conference dream matchups draft I just wish I got to make it because it's really hard to figure out what the next best choice is <laughs> after <laughs> that's right and Tom you are number two on the clock all right uh god I've got somebody here it's like yeah USC Oklahoma duh I don't want to go with uh can I say other kind of picks like potential ones. I'm not going to oh, pick it. Yeah, we're going to save some time at the end for like games that maybe we didn't want to draft, but we would like to bring attention. All to. I was going to say is I was going to go. I have Oklahoma Clemson on the list, but I don't want to put that after we just took Oklahoma USC. Um, I'm going to go with Texas, Texas A&M, even though it's going to be a conference rivalry soon enough. I would just like to see Texas and Texas A&M have to play a football game before they're contractually obligated to by their conference. Texas and Texas A&M, um, the, if this goes down in 2022, who's got the better starting quarterback when they play? Mm-hmm. Because it's, I do think that obviously the Aggies are going into the season thinking college football playoff. Like I, th- I think that's not maybe the expectation, but it's like a realistic goal for them. 
whereas Texas is going to be second year Steve Sarkeesian. So to have that game, whether it was early in the year or if they did it like old school style on Thanksgiving at the end of the year, I think it would be even better. But I would just like to see those two programs considering A&M thinks it's on the precipice of finally getting to where it wants to be. And Texas is thinking Sarkeesian can get them back to where they want to be, at least start that process. It would be a huge game for both programs, just for bragging rights within the state and kind of a statement as to where they are. I think Texas would have better quarterbacks. So do I. Mm, Jimbo. Not good. Not good. Mm. All right, bud. All right, I'm, I'm going to throw this one back. Uh, I, I was thinking about playing on, on Winspedia, which is a cool site. It shows like the all-time matchups for, for all, all these things. And I tried to find some that have never really uh, never played each other. Um, and it was, that was hard to do as far as teams you actually want. Uh, but one I, I do think would be pretty fun is Georgia-Ohio State. They've only played one time. I think it was in 93 or 94. I was Googling this morning. Uh, I mean, two historic programs. Obviously, Georgia just won the national title. Ohio State has been like the most consistent program of my lifetime. So like they're almost never, ever down. Give me that as a, as a non-con. I don't play, care if you play a neutral site. I prefer if you go one horseshoe and one between the hedges. But uh, to me, that'd be an awesome one. And that's just, it's never happened before, except never? one time. Okay. I think 93 or 94. So that'd be fun. If that happened this year, the reigning champions against the, uh, against the Buckeyes, would the Buckeyes be favored? No. I think Ohio State would be favored. Mm, this year? I mean, if yeah. Georgia was favored over Alabama, I don't think Ohio State would have been favored over Georgia. Oh, I thought you meant like oh, for this coming I'm season. I was looking at 2022. Yeah, like last year's teams, right? Oh, this okay. Upcoming year. This, I was saying this coming year. Like if oh, we like, oh, no, then Ohio State would be favored for sure. Okay. I'm sorry. I yeah. was thinking if we were talking about last, like the national champion Georgia versus the Ohio State team that didn't even. No, no, no. They that. still have Nolan Smith, but they don't have. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get, you got it. Uh, all right. They have, they have their quarterback back. <laughs> Stetson Bennett bringing the sauce and worth four points on the betting line. All right, so I, Bud, I too spent some time on Winsipedia and was looking to identify uh, certainly programs that would draw interest, but also maybe some unique twists in terms of narrative, either with the teams now or big picture. And there's no specific hook here, but I do think that in terms of the overall draw, uh, especially if we could get these games in both of these historic, you know, college football stadiums. Uh, I give me Michigan USC. They've only played ten times all time, and none of the meetings have been there. They have not played at all since two thousand seven. And if we look at where both these teams are going to be uh, this year, we're we're looking at a Michigan program where the expectations are now raised after a Big Ten championship. But we also know the personnel, both on the sideline at the coordinator position uh, and also on the field, particularly on defense, you know, massive turnover. So Michigan is going into a very interesting season. You know, Jim Harbaugh reworked contract, also raised expectations for USC, uh, a lot more hype for USC. I think that this one would be uh, a very, very fun game and it would be cool to uh, to renew that series. As a traditionalist, I'm against this idea, although I understand why you want to see it. If I'm seeing Michigan playing USC, the only place I want to see that is in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I don't want to see it in like Cowboy Stadium or whatever. I I want to see it in the big house. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want to see USC, Michigan in the big house. Okay, and then, yeah. no, I'll watch that for sure. Then we can play I was under the assumption these are all in regular season matchups, right? At yes. home, yeah. you know. Yes. What about in Jerry World? Would you no. want to see USC play Michigan in, in, in a par- like a Walmart parking lot? No. <laughs> uh, all right. Now for my first pick of the second round, this one started with taking uh, Bill Connolly's um, 2022 preseason SP plus, and I wanted to look for you know similar teams and, and maybe outside of that top elite tier, but teams that are going to be good and, and teams that are going to be somewhat excited. And I found two teams that have only played three times all time. All three of these meetings were in Florida-based bowl games all across the last, like, 40 years. They played once in Jacksonville, once in Tampa, and once in Orlando. But we have not seen a regular season meeting between Penn State and Florida. Currently, uh, back to Bill C's rankings, Florida's number 18 in his preseason SP Plus projections. Penn State's number 16. Neither one of these are teams that are being picked to win their division. Neither one of these are teams that are being picked to win their conference. But, you know, you go talk to any Penn State or Florida fan, the expectation is that that's going to be a good football team, that it's going to be a top 25 football team. So I I like the um, in-season focus on a Penn State and Florida, but I also like the fact that they just haven't played all that often and don't have a lot of history. And their tie together, they both thought they had Justin Fields at one point. So sorry. Oh, no. So the Justin Fields Bowl between Penn State and Florida will be the fourth all-time meeting between the Gators and the Nittany Lions. Just crying into their solo cups. <laughs> part, part of that is Florida's just complete unwillingness to leave the state yes. or especially the, the region for like three decades. I, I think there was a stat out there, and since they're going to play, is it Utah? Like that's that's the one that's going to break the streak, or, or is the streak already been broken? I think out of state the streak is broken, but out of the – SEC footprint, maybe not. Um, it was since 87 they had not left the SEC, foot, SEC footprint to play a non-conference game uh, at more than a, a, a neutral site. So, like, obviously not Michigan and Jerry World. Uh, and that, that game in 87, I think, was Syracuse. So, kind of cool to right. see this happen. But All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it back a little bit, not quite as far back to 87. Uh, but I, I have a couple from the same year, so I'm going to see if I can if I can kind of get this thing to snake back to me. Do you remember a time? I think this was 1998. UCLA has a game scheduled with Miami. UCLA is a really damn good team uh, that year. Cade McDown, all those guys, they're they're running with it. Well, the hurricane comes through and uh, and it delays the game until way late in the season. And by that time, a guy by the name of Edgerin James. Uh, was really running pretty well for the Hurricanes. And uh, that was, I think it was like the first Butch Davis team there, or like the first one that wasn't just hor- horrendous because Miami had the sanctions in 96, I think it was. And then they got pounded a lot in 97, if I recall. But 98, they were getting back to respectability. They've only played three times in, in their history. It's pretty cool, you know, coastal rivalry, if we can make it one. And uh, maybe UCLA can get some revenge for that Edger and James game. Because had that game been played early in the season, I think UCLA beats them. And, uh, you know, that could be kind of kind of fun to see. If it was, let's see, what was the, um, what was the Chip Kelly, Mario Cristobal head-to-head uh, as opponents in the Pac-12? Oregon got them last year, remember? Yeah. 
I think it's one to know. Yeah. Oregon's won the last three in the series. Uh, those wins coming in 2018, Cristobal against Kelly. Uh, 2020, Cristobal against Ke- Kelly. And 2021, Cristobal. So three uh, and out. Against Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Whooped his butt. Does Mario Cristobal own Chip Kelly? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> but that game is on YouTube uh, if you want to watch it, and they condensed it to one hour. That is a fun game to watch. I, I went down that rabbit hole this morning. The 34-31 from this year? No, the 49-45 Miami over UCLA oh, 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 uh, 1998 into year shootout. Gotcha. All right, Tom, back to you. All right, so you guys have been picking series that don't happen very often. I'm going to go pick a series that has happened many, many times, but it's not happening this year, and it's not currently scheduled to happen again until 2033, which I think is a shame because the last few meetings between these two programs have typically been one team good, the other bad. And I think right now, this year, would be a great time for them to get together. I would love to see a non-conference game between Notre Dame and Michigan. Oh, that wasn't the one you were looking for, Dave. No. You thought your pick was going to get stolen. Yeah. Because, I mean, Notre Dame's, Notre Dame's been to the playoff in multiple times in the last few years. Michigan's coming off its first playoff berth. I just think that it would be nice to see those two playing again when there are actual stakes. Because, like I said, the last few times they've met, either Michigan's been in a down year or Notre Dame's been in a down year. So it's really just been a avoid a bad loss. Whereas now it would be this is a huge win for both of these teams. It's a huge opportunity. I can rock with it. Hundred percent, and no, none until 2033? 2033 is, any, is the next. Are there time any bad year. blood or feelings about that? Uh, I cannot remember the exact story, but yeah, there was some bad blood that kind of caused them to get rid of the series. I can't remember who did what, but whatever. It's Notre Dame and Michigan. They hate each other. They always have, and they both pretend that they're better than the other, and that it's the other one's fault, and the other one's being stubborn. But reality is, they're all morons. Ah, love rivalries. All right, Danny. <laughs> All right, so I'm surprised this one. So I'm thinking, too, like this year. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma, USC. I thought you were going to go with a game that I'm surprised it's still on the board. I'm going to go Notre Dame versus LSU. That's Yeah, that's on my list. Brian Kelly versus Marcus Freeman, the way he left those players basically – Saying, "Hey, I've I've basically capped, I've tapped out right here. This is as good as we're ever gonna get." The way he left the exit, I think that was a slam dunk for me. Uh, so Notre Dame LSU was there. Um, I mean, you've got you've got the two huge <laughs> coaching moves yeah. right yeah. there. It's awesome. I'm all about the drama. Who yeah. cares? I just want the drama and the smack talk. I do think they're they're some of the more compelling stories. Which. Are either one of these happening in the next three to four years? Like we could actually see this. What? Uh, uh, any of these schedule on the schedule? None of them are. Um, not Notre Dame, Michigan, twenty thirty three. I do not see LSU on any future Notre Dame schedules for a while. All right. Well, there goes that one. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think so either. I was trying to research that. All right. Since I got the next pick, I'll go. I'll go right here. These teams have played. Oh, by the way, they have played 12 times Notre Dame LSU. I was on Winspedia as well. It's, it is a cool site. Do you know what used to frustrate me though on Winspedia? 
you is change that, one team and then it automatically goes to the new matchup. You can't change both teams and reset. Correct. It. That's one thing that's annoying. But usually, like if I'm looking up something in a hurry, like I want to see the series record, but like see the, the just the straight list of the games. Mm-hmm. So you go there and it's like really intricate and it doesn't tell you like each outcome. But there's that little link that says full games list, which I finally found. I was on it for like a year and didn't realize that was an option. So I'd be looking at all these things. I'm like, I don't care about this information. Like, just give me, I don't care about the enrollment or whatever. I want to know what they've done. What are the scores in these games? Did finally figure that out. I'd also say to Winsipedia, if you're listening, like, you know, the little bar at the top that shows like the team that won in the margin, it's, it's colored, like, you know, red for one team and blue for the other. When yes. the background of that is black, don't make Cincinnati's color black. <laughs> yes, exactly. You can't see it. <laughs> All right. For mine, I'm going to go oh. with the... We got we got some some uh, some breaking news here. Oh, what you got? Uh, speaking of USC, I know we got a lot of Oklahoma fans probably watching us. Brandon Huffman, who is like absolutely nails on the West Coast, he and Biggins and Angulo kind of run the whole recruiting game out West. Uh, he just put in a USC crystal ball for Josh Connerly. Josh Connerly is like the, lo- the lone remaining big fish in the 2022 recruiting class, the number one rated offensive tackle uh, per us and the number eight overall player in the entire country. He didn't have and an offer from Oklahoma, did he? Uh, yeah, they're actually listed as warm, and he took his, he took his OV January 15th. <sighs> oh, man. So who else is in the, the running there? Miami, uh, Oregon, USC, Michigan. Lincoln's about to get it done. I'm telling you, this is this is going to be some real, real hype that I'm just going to jump on board the entire way. I'm, I'm all in. I want to I, I want to see what to the what Lincoln does in Title Town with a bunch of free agents. You know, we're professionalizing college football, so why not go to a place where they treat them like a pro team, right? In in, in that the way we're just going to do this, just lean all the way into it. All on CBS Sports HQ, uh, April eighth yeah. at six p.m. Pacific time, which means. Nine o'clock Eastern. There you go. What Oklahoma time is that? Is that uh, is that eight o'clock? Yeah, one hour back, five. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is. They upgraded though. <laughs> I know because Dusty always tells me what time it is. <laughs> he lives in Oklahoma. All right, my pick uh, number three. I'm gonna go with the Are They Back Bowl. <laughs> I will dub it. They played four times. I think also, I think if they could get it this year or sometime soon, it'd be pretty intriguing. I went with Texas versus Miami. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those interesting storylines for both of them. They're both, they both tend to live in the past a little bit, both very excited about the future. I think it makes a lot, I think there's a lot of intriguing aspects to this matchup. Texas shows up a lot on the big board. USC shows up a lot on the big board. Michigan shows up a lot on the big board. And nobody has picked two teams that have played for two national championships in the college football playoff era. No, no, they played in the semifinals the first time. Okay. Um, Well, I'm not going to pick one either. But I I, I do have, I I think, a, a really fun one here. Also very much played in that 1998 season. Two hold teams. On, on. Who, I'm, a, I'm up. Oh shit! I'm sorry. <laughs> or shoot. Wow. Wow. Dropping S bombs, stealing picks. Wow. Where is Will Smith when you need him? <laughs> we gotta, let's, let's put that on the record for SEO. Will Smith, Chris Rock, slap Oscars. Yeah, that's what I want to see. A non real fake, match. deep fake, <laughs> plan Smith staged. versus Chris Rock. Um, 
I think Will would kick his ass. Uh, oh, man, where do I want to go here? That man played Ali. Of course he That's would. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> people were like, you, you, like, I said something about Chris Rock being able to take a hit on Twitter, and somebody's like, either that or Will Smith slaps like your grandma. I'm like, that dude put, like trained to be Muhammad Ali. I'm pretty sure he knows how to hit somebody. Uh, God, do I want to go? All right, this is just one. Is this? I know they scheduled one in the future, but I would just like to see UCF versus Florida. Mm. Just get it over with. I'd also like to see. Well, I don't. I won't. Yeah, UCF versus Florida is what I'll go with. Mm-hmm. Just because either UCF loses and that fan base has to get a little dose of humility, <laughs> or. Florida loses. And it's hilarious. And it's hilarious. <laughs> As it was when UCF won in the bowl game. Yes. It was hilarious. Yes. Undoubtedly hilarious. I don't know how, how closely you guys follow this, but um, they were trying to get games together several years in a row. And I actually think Florida is in the correct position with this. They're like, hey, we're not going to do a straight up one for one at your stadium, which holds like 30,000 people. You know, like that's not that's not good for our fans. Like like anytime we play a road game, we need to take care of our Bullgator boosters and, and the people who travel to see our team. And uh, you know, like that's just not realistic. So I think they offered to do it. I think it was a two for one where yes. they play in the swamp, but all, but then they play in Camping World, uh, which is uh, a bigger you know stadium. It's where they play the Citrus Bowl here in uh, uh, in, in Orlando. So. Yeah, and that's um, what they eventually agreed to because they will be playing in Gainesville in 2024 and 2033, and then once in Orlando in 2030. Yeah, makes sense. All right, uh, so I guess I'm the one that's not following that because I didn't realize they actually agreed to it officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so I'm going to go to 1998, and I think this is kind of a cool rivalry. Two teams that I'm fairly high on for this year, two teams that historically have been Pretty good, but if you are in your 20s, teens, or maybe very early 30s, these teams don't register as teams that have been good uh, in your lifetime. I'm going to go Tennessee, Nebraska. Uh, they, they've only played three times. Pretty historic programs. We're, we're taking two, uh, two schools here that are not, not drafted yet, so we're, we're, we're lining them up. I think two teams that would travel very well uh, to each other, Nebraska fans could experience some of the sailgating experience potentially there at Tennessee, and I'm sure uh, Tennessee fans would be treated nicely uh, in Nebraska. Is there something else like an attraction we're supposed to say they would enjoy at Nebraska other than like the, the runs? I don't know. Steak? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm so mad at myself that I didn't think of this because this is, I mean, Tennessee and Nebraska are like the same program, and they have been for the last 30 years for the most part, it feels like. So, no, that's a brilliant matchup. I will say, though, I don't know how much Nebraska fans would enjoy sailgating. They are in a landlocked state. I don't know how they will respond to water and being on a boat. You ever been on a cruise ship? How many people from the Midwest are on a cruise ship? It's not most of these people from Florida and California hopping on these things. (laughs) (laughs) We're on a boat. Here we go. I'm going to keep it. I've had this in my back pocket. I'm going to get two picks, so... I, I think I found a situation where the Vols might be scared. So this one's out to producer Jordan. This one's out to Pete. This one's out to all our Vols here. Because I happen to notice that all the way back to 1968, 
until about 2010, 2011, Tennessee was down to play Memphis. Tennessee was like, oh, yeah, we got this. They played 23 times. Tennessee won 22 of them. But they haven't played since Larry Porter was the head coach of Memphis, which means that ever since Memphis got good, historically good, because eight of the program's 15 bowl games have been since 2014. In the entire program history, more than half of the bowl appearances are on a run that Memphis is on right now. Are Vols scared? Vols scared to get this, this battle between East and West Tennessee going? Are Vols ready for the emotional turmoil of taking on Memphis again? Or, now that Memphis has gotten good, have you just decided that we're just going to go let them chill on the other side of the state? Do you not want the smoke? Give me Tennessee and Memphis in-state rivalry that the Vols are scared to play. Dig it. I like it. I like okay. it. Uh, next one, a little bit easier. Zero previous meetings, but there's one trophy that we can make that they can fight over. It's the pack full of Badgers, Russell Wilson Bowl between Wisconsin and NC State. <laughs> they have been yes. fighting online over who gets to claim Russ ever since he got to the league. And forever the politician, he towed that line with that whole pack full of Badgers comment. So whoever wins the game, that's who Russell Wilson has to say for his television introductions where he went to school. You get the trophy, which is a trophy of Russell Wilson, uh, probably in a pose from one of his selfie videos. And you also get to know that when Russell Wilson is on national television, he is going to introduce himself uh, as being hailing from your university. So for the Russell Wilson Bowl, for the first time ever, because again, zero previous meetings, give me Wisconsin and NC State. His wife can sing the national anthem. Tom O'Brien can do the mm -hmm. coin toss. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> yeah. T-O-B. All right, bud. Oh, man. Okay, uh, so it's my last pick here. I'm down to three. Um, I I wanted one that's got some historic significance and want to be fun with good teams. And unfortunately, Chip just took Wisconsin, which was the one I was involved with. But I, I think a, a pretty fun bowl, which is now a contrast of styles. I'm going to go Texas Tech, Kentucky. Uh, it's the sort of original Mike Leach bowl. You know, Leach was at. Kentucky before he came to Oklahoma. I'm not going to pick another game in Oklahoma because we already have several here on the board. And uh, then he obviously did some great stuff there at Texas Tech. So I think Texas Tech, Kentucky could be fun. Kentucky doesn't really throw the ball very much now. They they run it a lot. Texas Tech is about to be WTFO, just throwing the ball all over the place with Zach Kitley as their uh, um, you know, as as their OC. So uh, I am I'm I'm all in on this one. That would be a fun game. Very, very fun game. Tom? All right, this might be cheating. So if I can't do it, just say so, and I'll come up with another pick. But we see in college basketball, we have, like, the Big Ten ACC challenge. And then we even, like, in the early season, we have that – I can't remember what it's called, but it's always, like, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and uh, Kansas, right? Where they – those four. There's a Champions Classic, and mm -hmm. then there's also a CBS Sports Classic. There Kentucky, we go. Kentucky's in both of them. Uh, shout out to Big Blue Nation. And the ones at the Garden, right? Yeah, yeah. the Champions yeah. Classic is the Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas. That's the one, yep. CBS Sports Classic is UCLA, North Carolina, Kentucky, and I think Ohio State might be the fourth one. Well, I am inventing my own. 
It is the Academic Bowl. It is a combination of Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Duke, and Stanford every year meeting. And we'll find out who's the nerdiest of them all. <laughs> Wake is pissed off. Yeah. I couldn't go with two, you know, little North Carolina private schools. You know, I had to go with Duke, just whatever. But I, I, I feel like they're nerdier. I think Wake is a little too good. A little too Wait. good. Dave, great work by Dave Clawson, uh, getting getting Wake off the nerd tier in Tom Fernelli's view of college football programs. Excellent. I also see now. Here's the good part about being in the last spot. I can tell you some of my ones before I go with it. But since you mentioned uh, Vanderbilt, I mean, we just saw Vanderbilt UConn, which might have been the game of the year. Like I would take that every single year from now on out. Like the battle of the bottom dwellers. I had that one for sure. I'm a little bit bummed, um, so I had to get them on the list uh, because my Seminoles, like we would have done this five years ago. They would have been like probably everyone would have had some Florida State versus Florida State, Nebraska. Yeah, some, yeah, re, let's bring back that rivalry. It's when so many national championships decided between the two. I had Florida State, Oregon potentially, uh, rematch of the uh, playoff game, Willie Taggart there back and forth. But this is more of a sign of where the program is now. I think the most compelling matchup would be Florida State versus Jackson State. Oh, the revenge game. That's a great call. Not Jacksonville State. Not Jacksonville State. That would be the revenge game. This is to determine who potentially is the future head coach in Tallahassee game that would be there. The Travis Hunter you, Bowl. Yeah, oh, yes. There would be so many different storylines in this one. Uh, well, who would be the favorite in that game? Florida State. Bud? Florida State. By how, Florida State. Mu- by how many? Well, I mean, did they just lose to Notre Dame in a close Monday nighter and then have the DB show up high the next day? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like the, Some of these are important stats we, we, we need to know. Uh, it'd probably be Florida State by like three or four scores. Okay. Uh, right, Jackson State's enough. offense is not very good, and uh, okay. they, they like South Carolina State beat the crap out of them. Yeah. So, so um, now that it's all done, I love that one, <laughs> um, and I do think that, and we also said this is what we want to see, and maybe it is a reflection of like not that the program's in a bad state of affairs, but that you just you're not you're not draw like you're not repulsed at the idea of watching a Florida State football game, but you're not amped, right? Right. Right. You're just kind of like. Oh, cool. That I, that would be a football game. Right. You know, you know the one Knowles fans actually do want to have happen as on an annual thing. Like they, they'd like to play it as a, uh, um, well, as an annual rivalry as a conference game for sure. But if not, maybe pull one of the uh, UNC wake type type deals is Georgia tech. Uh, it is by far the most drivable rivalry uh, in, in that you know geographic area. Like Miami is second closest or, or Clemson. And even that is, you know, over, uh, over eight hours sometimes, depending on where you live. Certainly, you're not driving Clemson from like Tampa uh, if you live in Jacksonville. Uh, so they'd like to be able to go to a road game that they don't have to fly to. Uh, and that's by far the closest one. I, I know a lot of people would like to see that happen uh, on an annual basis. So we nobody mentioned Alabama-Ohio State. Uh, they've only played five times ever. Both t- last two meetings have been in the college football playoff. The first one in the semifinals, an Ohio State win uh, to advance to the championship game against Oregon, which they would win for the Buckeyes national championship. The most recent one uh, being the Alabama national championship in 2020. 
that, of course, being Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, uh, outscoring Justin Fields and a very good uh, Buckeyes offense. Are we just it's too easy. It wasn't fun. It was just like at the top of the board. The chat's chat's been asking why we didn't uh, take it. So I figured we at least deserve uh, to acknowledge that among big, powerful national title contenders who even haven't met all that often, Alabama and Ohio State, I, I, well, you just wait for it in the title game? Is that the team? Yeah, we just saw it. And I think we'll probably see it again this year. Yeah, no Alabama at all, actually. <laughs> Look at it. Exhaustion. So it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no one did USC, Texas. We did get to see them in 17 and 18. They split that series, but uh, have only played seven times all time. Uh, Daryl Royal and John McKay did a head-to-head. Those are two iconic coaches. Didn't really feel that way in 2017, 2018 when UNC, Texas got together, but uh, that was another one that I thought was on the list and very interesting. Uh, I wanted to shout out West Virginia and Pitt. Mm-hmm. because the backyard brawl is being played in each of the next four seasons. They had not played since 2011. West Virginia won the last three meetings in the series. They played more than 100 times overall, but have not played in more than a decade. Love to see West Virginia and Pitt getting that on the books uh, for each of the next three, oh, for each of the next four years. I also had a, uh... Illinois, Missouri on the list. That'll be Uh, happening again in the near future. But I just, there is a natural rivalry between those two schools. And they they used to play, like they played every year for a while in football. And then they kind of just stopped the series. They still play every year in basketball. But I think for both programs, because they battle for a lot of the same recruits from Southern Illinois. I think that if you go to the schools and you look at the demographics of the students, there's a good share of kids from like, southern illinois in champaign there's a good share of kids from illinois at mizzou it's just there's like a whole lot of natural rivalry that already exists there so for the programs to play on the field i think kind of just adds to it um by the way to talk about like guys who were stars we didn't know they were stars at the time that 1998 game on this miami defense we have daniel morgan and edward reed hmm <laughs> <laughs> You get that full name treatment to to get to you're good enough to pick pick, uh, pick Dan and Ed, I guess. Or, or or the we don't we haven't started like interviewing you enough to know that you go by anything else. That's also true. Right. Whatever got filled out on the depth chart. Uh, any other? Uh, oh yeah, UNC, UCLA, the Sissy Blue Bowl. You know, just, just let them both wear powders. Uh, no previous matchups in that rivalry either. Any other uh, non cons that you had on your list? Uh, Nebraska, Colorado. Mm. Uh, good one uh another one i had was penn state and Pitt, and then finally uh indiana kentucky they do it every year in basketball or at least they used to and they used to play pretty regularly in football too but they just kind of stopped but i just feel like again that's another situation where the two schools they're in different conferences and it seems like they're in different worlds but they're actually very close to one another so. you can always talk me into that like you're in different conferences but you share a border, and which means you share recruits and you mm-hmm. share relationships with high school coaches. I'm all the way in on having teams like that uh, square off against each other. Any other ones? We, we should do an episode, by the way, on December 5th, 1998. Have you guys thought about this? Have you been on YouTube this entire show? It's in the back. It's in the background. I'm thinking about this. Man's drafted multiple non-con games from the same year. Is lost, 
I just think it'd be awesome. Uh, I I had Georgia Tech Colorado. It was the 1990 national champion uh, gets? They have decided. never played. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be really really cool. I like that a lot. You can follow him on Twitter at Elliott 3 You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Pernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.